Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. We're back. Uh, excited to have my next guest, Ray Cosentini, the co-founder and CEO of Bright MD. Ray, thanks for thanks for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, you know, I I saw your recent Series C raise, the announcement, and we kind of tracking what your team has been doing and thought it'd be a really great time to have you on and in the light of COVID as well, some of the work you're doing. So um, you know, I'd just love for you to introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about Bright MD and, um, you know, a little bit about the origin story as well. Sure. That's a dangerously open-ended question. That's kind of like asking me about my kids. I can show you pictures <laughs> all day long. Sure. Now, uh, the, I will give the very quick version and we can dive in. Um, the, the, the brief version of the origin story, I'm a physician uh, by training and uh, spent a lot of time really feeling like the the process of healthcare got in the way for everybody involved. Uh, you know, I mean, patients feel rushed. Providers feel like they're spending far too much. They spend two hours of their time uh, on the keyboard for every one hour of time that they spend in front of the patient. And much of the time that they spend with the patient isn't something, isn't time that is really uh, valuable or rewarding. It's really just information gathering and uh, and really realized that there was an opportunity to build tools that helped better connect patients and providers, free up that clinician time, and really bring the humanity back to healthcare. Uh, and that was really a, the the impetus uh, behind it. So, and what what kind of uh, medicine were you practicing? If you don't mind me asking. Sure, uh, I, internal medicine training and. Um, uh, that's uh, a medicine, uh, complex medicine for adults. I think for those who aren't deep into healthcare, yeah. internal medicine is one of those weird things. It's, it's not like saying I'm a heart doctor. So. Mm-hmm. And were you here in Portland doing that or? <laughs> I was, I did training up. Uh, it's actually my training is what brought me here to Portland and uh, stayed because, well, uh, met my wife and fell in love with the city. Yeah. So. Well, so let's talk about that leap from physician to tech founder, because <laughs> that's not linear, right? <laughs> so what, tell, tell, tell me about that and, and you know, having this, seeing this, this, this problem, seeing this thing that need to be fixed and saying, I'm going to yeah. leave, leave medicine and, and start a tech company. Yeah. Well, I don't think about myself as leaving medicine. I'm pretty okay. pot committed. I, I, mm-hmm. I, well, let me back up. I guess my, 
my origin story. I started with BreadMD because the company is more interesting than I am. But uh, I guess my the, the quick background on me, I was actually an entrepreneur from fairly early on, but in a very different space. Uh, so my I, my dad was an entrepreneur and I followed in his footsteps and uh, started a company, my first company when I was fairly young, it was just out of high school. Um, so the, the entrepreneurial spirit was there is actually before I had found my calling in healthcare mm. uh, and really left the industry I was in uh, and, and decided to jump into medicine uh, and, and got my MD really because the industry called to me. It felt like a space where you could really make a difference, where people cared about what they were doing. Healthcare is everyone. Everyone's life is touched by healthcare at some point in their life. And, and often it's some of their worst moments when they're in most need of compassion and engagement and, and caring. Um, and I think that that really appealed to me very deeply. Uh, and so uh, I, you know, I, I got my MD, uh, practiced medicine for a little while, um, really realized a couple of things. Uh, one of them was that I missed the creative entrepreneurial thinking uh, that you don't get to do as much of as a clinician. There's a tremendous amount of thinking. Uh, clinicians are incredibly smart folks, but it's a different kind of thinking than you do as an entrepreneur. And I missed that. Uh, and I, and I, felt like, I felt like there was an opportunity to be able to make healthcare better in a broader context yeah. uh, than in those individual patient interactions. Uh, and I think those are the two things that really drew me in a different direction than the practice of clinical medicine. Mm. Um, I got my MBA uh, and, and actually did some consulting work, uh, ended up taking an executive role at Providence, mm. uh, helped build and lead their digital health services group, uh, helped implement their telemedicine and telehealth strategy, uh, patient portal and patient engagement tool, digital patient engagement tools, clinician facing tools, so that was really my introduction to the technology side of healthcare and the impact that it could have. Um, and at some point, it was really in, um, in looking at the tools that were out there and the problems that they were or weren't solving, that was really what drew me back into entrepreneurship. I think there was, I felt like there was a better opportunity to be able to help impact healthcare more quickly in an entrepreneurial setting than at a large health system. Yeah. Uh, well, the large health system certainly helped me learn a lot about what, uh, what opportunities there were out there to, to help fix. Um, so I think that's, uh, I suppose that's how those two pieces tie together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I would like to get into now is kind of the, the nuts and bolts of what bright MD does. Cause you mentioned that, you know, the digital transformation, I hate that word so reused, but sorry, uh, you know, this journey of healthcare <laughs> and the tools have been going for a while, but, you know, tell me about what Bright MD specifically does and then we can uh, go from there. Sure. Yeah. Healthcare IT is a very broad space. Yeah. Healthcare is the biggest industry in the world and, uh, you know, it's 20% of GDP in the United States. Yeah. And uh, so you, you got to zoom in a little further than that. What we do, we often, we, we do enable remote care. So from that standpoint, I suppose it's, it's fair to say that we at least support telehealth, mm -hmm. uh, which I think of as care being delivered at a distance. 
but I wouldn't think of that as being our core. It's important because I think that remote care, that telehealth aspect can make care more convenient and accessible and consumerized and, and affordable. Um, but it really did very little for the actual practice of medicine. If you think about what telehealth does, it, it literally just removes geography as a barrier. It changes where healthcare can get delivered. It doesn't change how healthcare gets mm. delivered. Mm. Everything that you had to do in an in-person setting also needs to get done in a video setting. Right. And so in order to truly make the healthcare delivery process better, our focus has been less on how to let people talk remotely. We're doing that right now. That doesn't, to me, that's not that interesting. Uh, the more exciting thing is uh, how can we help make that care happen better? We think about ourselves as a care automation company. Mm. So, and that's a little nebulous. Would it be, I don't know, would it be helpful if I give a, an example or two? I think so. Yeah, because this space is really interesting. And like you said, it's, it's super broad, <laughs> but it's important to know the piece that you're helping solve. And I think it would be valuable. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about us kind of like a virtual medical resident, that's the best analogy that I could think of. So you're at home or you're at the office. We actually, a great example, we had a, a teacher in South Carolina. Uh, she was teaching, this is pre-COVID, Okay. Uh, but she was in front of her class and she was feeling sick uh, and she gave her students an assignment. And while they were finishing that up, she pulled out her phone sitting up at her desk at the front of the classroom and, uh, and logged into uh, one of our health systems implementations of smart exam. Yeah. And that virtual medical resident immediately went to work. So she is remote. That uh, smart exam uh, went into the medical record and reviewed her information, meds, allergies, problem list, visit history, pulls all that information out, used that to interview her. Mm. So we would actually ask her all of the questions that her clinician might have done in a video based or an in-person setting. So we actually interviewed her for the clinician. Got it. And then we took all of that information and we turned it into a chart note and a set of order recommendations and prescription recommendations and patient education materials uh, and a billing file. So all of that stuff that clinicians have to spend so much time doing, but that don't add real value to the care that that person would have gotten, we take care of all of that. So now the clinician is freed up to spend their time where they're most valuable. Uh, and the great thing is for patients who get care through Smart Exam. They're getting care in just a couple of minutes uh, and at a much lower cost. So because we've streamlined that care delivery process, health systems can make that care available at $25 to $40 as compared to $150 for an in-person visit. And for the patients who can't get care through Smart Exam, we've now freed up the clinician's time so that they're not rushed. So even for the patients who aren't using Smart Exam, it's one of the things that makes me the happiest as a doc is that um, we're not just helping the people who are actively getting care through Smart Exam. We're helping the entire care process right. by freeing up the clinicians so that they can spend their time where it's really needed. That's fascinating. And so well, let's get to a little bit of the capital part because in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> you raised <laughs> uh, you know, your Series C, which is I think public on your site. You uh, raised about over $16 million. Um, walk me back through just kind of the fundraising process, how that's been and the excitement of 
uh, I guess your industry, which I don't even know what to call uh, your health tech or, or, or what it might be. Um, the excitement. Yeah. Of, with health tech's the right industry. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. So we actually, we kind of, we straddled the, the pandemic crisis in our fundraising process. So, uh, and that's part of the reason why we had two closes. Uh, so we, we were in the midst of a fundraise when the pandemic hit and we had a decent amount of the, of our, of capital committed to the company. We saw the need that healthcare and the United States and really the world was experiencing. And we wanted to make sure that we were capitalized in a way that let us make a difference as quickly as possible. And so what we decided to do was pull down that first close. Uh, and that was uh, right around eight, a little over $8 million on the first close. Okay. Uh, then what that did was capitalize us and give us the, and also let us take the time. We, we had a, a round that was uh, co-led by a set of uh, professional VC groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, Seven Peaks, uh, B Capital, and uh, Concord Health Partners, a healthcare-focused group. Okay. Uh, and then um, we also had a set of strategics. And strategics are fantastic folks to have in a round. I really believe in the value that, that they can bring. Uh, but they also can have a little bit different of a timeline than traditional VC. Mm-hmm. And so by taking that first round of capital, it gave us the chance to do some of the things that are really important to help support patients and delivery systems through coronavirus. It also gave us the time to be able to close those strategics uh, and bring in the rest of it. And we closed, um, we set out to close around a 15 and we closed 16.7 million. Uh, and really we had quite a bit more that we decided not to take in capital at this point. So we why, had quite a bit not? more interest in that. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, right? But why, why? I mean, yeah. and folks in your position might be, especially during a, a tough potential you know, credit market, it's like, I'm gonna take as much money as we can. But I mean, it's interesting that yeah. maybe you, you delivery chose not to do that. Maybe was it a, a, a equity issue or I'm just interested. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a couple of different things that come into that. I mean, we did take, we oversubscribed. I mean, we were, we were more than, uh, more than 10% oversubscribed and that was very much a choice. And and it was towards that end. We felt like it was important to bring in the capital to make sure we were Mm -hmm. equipped to be able to have the most positive impact possible and, and, uh, and to, to weather, some complicated times out there. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a balance. Capital strategy is, is about uh, bringing in the right amount at, at any given valuation and at any given moment. Uh, and we're trying to balance those different factors. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I didn't mean to get too much in the weeds of the capital. Cause I mean, I, it really no, it's is okay. my the broader question and interesting is, using that money in, in our community of Portland to build your company, right? And this is yeah. a, a Portland podcast. I'm always, I love when entrepreneurs like you are committed to, you know, a Portland growing that company. So, you know, not to jump ahead too much, but I'm sure you've had opportunities to relocate the company. Uh, <laughs> we get say, them all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm sure yeah. talking to your yeah. VCs. And so let, let's talk about, the benefits of being here and why you're deliberately choosing to stay here other than obvious yeah. factors. It's a great place to live. And <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's, that's non-trivial. I mean, I think, yeah. and the fact that it's a great place to live 
isn't just a value to me. It's a value to the people who work at BrightMD. In fact, we are able to draw people from across the country uh, because we're a Portland-based company. I would, I would venture to say that Portland is more livable than San Francisco or Seattle. Uh, I mean, again, I, I, I will own the fact that that is an opinion, not a fact. Uh, but, you know, I think that there's, there's, some, uh, there's definitely value in that in itself. Yeah. I think Portland's got a thriving tech ecosystem. And so there is great, not only can we draw talent from across the country because Portland is a great place. Um, there's a lot of great talent here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, our, uh, almost our entire executive team was hired from here in Portland. Wow. Um, the, the capital availability in Portland has expanded. And I think as, uh, VCs, both Bay Area VCs as well as non-Bay Area VCs, are recognizing that the 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 capital efficiency of companies outside of the Bay Area is a non-trivial competitive advantage. Yeah. I mean, I we we talk with and know uh, uh, IT, healthcare IT and and SaaS companies in the Bay Area, and I mean they're their cost of doing business is notably higher than ours. Um, and, and I think we're, we're seeing that, that combination of things that make Portland attractive also draw in that, uh, that capital. Uh, and it's that capital is drawing in at later and later stages. Uh, we raised our first two rounds were more than 80% Portland based. Wow. Um, uh, once we got past that, uh, really did start to need to look outside of Portland, but it, it's not a terrible process to be able to help people understand why Portland's a great place to be building a company. And then for a healthcare company in particular, Portland's a great place. I mean, we've got a highly competitive uh, marketplace for health systems. Uh, we've got one of the 10 largest health plans in the country based in Portland. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got progressive legislation here that really is helping to lead the country. Um, we've got a great uh, healthcare IT program up at OHSU. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of different factors that make it not just a great place to build a tech company, but to build a healthcare IT company in particular. Yeah. And, and getting back to something you said earlier about, you know, um, just the capital efficiency and us getting more known. You saw this week or is it last week, Zoom Info went public, the tech company, $8 billion yep. valuation. I think that's um, only going to bring more attention and, and hopefully um, good to come to the industry here. I mean, indeed. It, yeah. And as far as you as a leader and the tech industry here, what do you, what do you tap into to, to grow? Um, I, I mean, do you, are you part of groups? I'm always curious to see what, uh, you know, Portland's a very tight knit community. We always say like anybody will be able to want to meet with you for a coffee or virtual coffee now. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. so what, how, how are you doing? I think that that is definitely part of the draw. Uh, I think you, you hit on something I failed to mention, but I think it's very real. Uh, you know, um, Portland is certainly, there's a healthy degree of competition, but there's a definitely a sense of collaboration and community in the entrepreneurial space in particular. Uh, and, you know, uh, one of our early investors was uh, Oregon Venture Fund uh, and Portland Seed Fund. 
Uh, and the communities that have built up around both of those two uh, give us a ton of connections into uh, into other uh, executive teams and, and CEOs at, at other startup and, and growth stage companies. Um, we were part of the Stanford StartX program, which is another great way to be in the, the Stanford StartX health program specifically. So it gave us a chance to be able to connect there. I think peer interactions are incredibly valuable. Uh, and it's how you um, fast growing companies are hard to keep up with. You know, if the company is growing at a uh, hundred or 150 percent year over year, I think about it as our job as a team is to grow our own skill sets at at least that pace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the only way to really do that, uh, I mean, some of it is through experience, but a lot of it, the way you really accelerate it is through other people's experience, the multiples that you get on that. So absolutely a big part of it. I love that mindset and it, it is so important. So what's, what's, uh, what's next? What, what are you going to use some of the capital for? Are you, are you, are you staffing up or I'm curious what's some of the, that you can share, you know? Of, yeah. 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 We, so yes. I mean, I'm glad in a time, I, I love Portland and I care deeply about the community and it's been really hard to see so many great companies and great people get hit by this terrible economic crisis that's, that's come from the pandemic. And so I'm glad that we can be playing at least a small part in, in helping to, um, uh, to, to support that continued growth. And we are hiring and proud to be doing that. Uh, we're, we're really growing in a number of different areas. Obviously our go-to-market is an important part of being a sustainable company and anybody who raises around and doesn't talk about using that capital to expand their go-to-market, don't go work there. Yeah. Uh, that's a scary <laughs> thing for anybody to right. do. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely part of it, but we're really a broad product company that care automation as a uh, as an approach and, and really as a, as a market space means that there's a lot of opportunity for us on the product front. Mm. And we're really excited to be expanding our engineering team. Uh, we made some fantastic hires on uh, on the product side. Um, so no, really, really excited uh, to be to be growing on on many different fronts, uh, not only in terms of the people that we're hiring, but really on the impact that we're having yeah. also. And in the end, that's um, that to me is really exciting. Well, Ray, thanks so much for coming on and sharing some of the story. I I'm super excited to follow your growth and it just sounds like a rocket ship. So congratulations. Uh, thank you, Dan. It was a pleasure talking with you and I appreciate the opportunity to tell our story. The PDX executive podcast is a production of that cast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 